0: Pentecost Sunday uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on believers it 's an important it 's an important event God living in us and Jack talked about transgressions today and and I, I thought of the scripture it 's from uh, the book of romans and the idea you know nothing can separate us from from god's grace from god's presence except possibly our own choices Can anything separate us from the love Christ has for us? Can troubles or problems or sufferings or hunger or nakedness or danger or violent death, as it is written in the scriptures, for for you we are in danger of death at all time. People think we are worth no more than sheep to be killed. But in all these things we are completely victorious through God who showed his love for us. And yes, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor ruling spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the whole world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when I think of that, I I have an illustration that may or may not be meaningful. But when we move from uh, Springfield City, to the country, uh, we took our dog with us. City dog, country. City dog was used to chasing cats. And when we moved to the country, been there probably less than a year, and my dog decided to chase a black and white cat. (laughs) Yeah, you know where it's going. And I don't mind so much that the dog chased the skunk, but he chased it in the middle of summer, 98 degrees, 98% humidity, to our bedroom window. And then got sprayed. And the dog was, uh, we, we didn't want to be around him because he stunk. We still loved it, and we bathed it, by the way, the tomato juice is a complete myth. <laughs> Nothing helps. And we put the dog outside for long stretches at time, and he didn't understand why there was a disconnect. And when we sing the song, you know, I'm desperate for you, I am most desperate for God after I've screwed up. And like my dog, I I don't understand. You know, it's like, man, why do I feel like God is so far away? Because I stink. I'm carrying that stink with me. And God still loves me. But i got to do some things to get rid of the stink. And the thing that I've noticed is that we've had four dogs now sprayed by skunks each of them only got sprayed once and that was enough and I can't imagine why I keep going back chasing after things I ought not to chase after and doing things I know I ought not to do and then I wonder why God is so far removed and it's not God, it's me We celebrate Pentecost today, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that if God feels removed from you, it's not God, it's you. And we celebrate this victory at this table, at this time, so that you can renew yourself to the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what Christ did. And I am so grateful for the outpouring of your spirit. Lord, I don't know that we fully understand and realize the significance, but we are grateful and we are thankful. And Lord, we so desire, we are desperate for that presence of God, the presence of of the Holy Spirit in our lives. May we long for that. because that's what sustains us spiritually. That's what keeps us in your presence. Father, I pray that we won't remove ourselves from your presence and that when we stink because of sin, that we allow you to refresh and restore and renew us. And as we gather around this table today, Lord, may it be a reminder that we are yours. And Lord, all this we lift up to you through the power of the Spirit in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
1: If you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we will be there um, eventually. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21 will be our text this morning. Remember when... Remember when. Every time I get together with friends and family, especially friends and family I haven't seen for a while, this rhetorical statement comes out. Remember when. When I'm together with my sister, remember that time I paid you five bucks to eat a sausage Right, and we all laugh, and yeah, I remember that. We get together with my friend Adam. Remember when we told Jeff we'd pay him five bucks to snort a line of salt? This was before like YouTube and video. I would give anything to YouTube video that moment because today it is still the funniest thing in the world, and we never paid him the five bucks. And we all laugh. Yeah, I suffer. Remember that one time we get together? Remember that one time that I forgot to fill the baptistry and it was ice cold. And Eric and Eric Dush is back there. We didn't know this until after the service, but holding his hand under that water because it's so loud, it's just crashing down, and it's ice cold, man. It's ice cold, isn't it, Jane? And Eric's under there, and Eric and and um, Jim Balcom, wherever Jim is. There's Jim. Jim told me he said about halfway through the service or halfway through my preaching, Eric said, "You know, I think the water's getting warmer." No, man, it's not. Your hand just went numb, right? We do this, don't we? When we get together with people, especially people, it's been a while uh, you know, th- since you've been with them, you say that question, remember when, and, and you, you guys together, you rehearse all of the different things that, that you have history, in, and that brings up the emotion, and, and we say that because it connects emotion, it connects history, and it brings us together in a common way. Well, what does that have to do with the Bible? Everything, right? I mean, every Sunday you come in here and I get up here and I say, remember when God did this? Or remember when Jesus said that? And you all nod your head, yeah, I, re- I remember when Jesus said that. But you don't because you were never there. Right? You didn't see God do that. You didn't hear Jesus say this. But this is the way that we talk. In fact, this is the way the Bible talks. Why does the Bible talk this way? It talks this way because constantly through Scripture we are being told this is happening again. Now, when we say this is happening again, we don't mean it in the same way that to to set against another religion the way Islam would say it, in which they would say, we're going to take a 6th century nomadic Middle Eastern culture, we're going to pick it up and we're going to move it, and exactly what they did, we are going to have to do here in 21st century America. We're not talking about picking up and moving Greek culture or Roman culture or like Abraham's culture and making it happen. What we're saying is that the way that God worked back then, the things that he did, man, he is going to do today. And so we say, remember when God rescued us from the hand of Pharaoh and brought us out of Egypt with his mighty right hand, that he might have a people unto his name. And you say, yeah, I remember that. And we know then that God will rescue us from the dangers that face us today. Because God was faithful then, he'll be faithful today. We say, remember when when God provided manna, he provided bread. That word manna, of course, as you famously know, means what is it? When God provided us, what is it from heaven that we might eat? You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And I know then that no matter what my bank account says, when I check the balance, that when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, God says, Yes, remember when we took blood, the blood of the lamb, and we, we put it on the the door, the lintel, the posts of our house, so that the angel of death would pass over that it, that it would it would mark us as god's people, and we wouldn't we wouldn't perish, but we would have life, yeah, the way that God did that, yeah, I remember that just so God has put his soul spirit in us. And that spirit is a seal, the Bible calls it a deposit. It is the passcode to the account that gets unlocked when the day of redemption comes. It is the promise of God that God remembers, that God saves, that what God did then, God will do today. And that's why it is so important to remember This is why we spent so much time talking about the Ascension last Sunday. That's why we spent so much time talking about Pentecost this Sunday. Because it matters that you remember. Because if you forget, it's not that you're going to lose your salvation or... You know, or, or God's gonna like throw rocks at you forever, or God's not gonna rescue you, but you will miss the things that God is doing right now in your life. Because the same way that God acted in the life of David and Abraham and, and Saul and Peter and Jesus himself is the way that God wants to act in your life today. And if you aren't reading your scriptures, we sang it. This is my daily bread. It isn't so that you can get bits of random wisdom. Right? It's, it's not that you might have some kind of like just quick little relevatory moment for the day, but that the story might infiltrate your mind, your heart, your soul, so that when God moves in your life, when God moves in the world around you, and He calls you to follow with Him, you can recognize it. You can see it. That's why it matters. Remembering matters. It matters so much. Now, this morning, as I said, we, we remember Pentecost. And Pentecost is the giving, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It isn't to say that the Spirit wasn't alive and moving and, and present in the world before that. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-eternal, are everywhere, right? They're omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. They are all-powerful, and always present. But the spirit is poured out in a way that the prophets foretold. It's poured out onto all flesh. Where before it chose to move through specific individuals, now if your name is Christian, you have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. That deserves an amen. I appreciate that. That's good. Jesus talked about the spirit so much. And it has bothered me, and, and I, I've tried to make it a part of the way that I talk, that the Spirit is always a part of my speech, always the power in my prayer, always at the forefront of my, my mind, because the Spirit is the mover. The Spirit is the, the sender. The Spirit is the one that's dragging us along and saying, Come on, let's go. I have work for you, you to do today in my name. And Jesus talks about the Spirit. John foretells, first of all, John the Baptist foretells that Jesus is going to come, and he's going to baptize us in the Spirit. And in fire. And Jesus says that you must be born of water and, good guess for those of you who didn't know, it's a good guess, water and spirit. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, what do you need? You need water and you need spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, your account can be unlocked in the day of redemption and you are sealed. You are out. You don't belong. The spirit is not just sort of a a side doctrine, not just a a little bit about God that we might want to talk about every now and then. The Spirit is integral for salvation itself. Without the Spirit, you are lost. The Spirit means so much. And I want to, today, if nothing else, get you to raise up your understanding of God, that it might be as high and lofty as we frail humans can possibly make it. Jesus says that I am going, that I might give you a helper. This word paraclete means, means a lot of different things. It can be translated in many different ways. It can be translated a comforter. How many of you could use a comforter today? You've got the spirit in you. The comforter is there. It can be translated helper. How many of you could use a helper today? You've got the spirit in you. The helper's there. The, this word can also be translated advocate I many of you could use advocate before God today. You have the spirit in you. The advocate is already there. See, all these things that we think we need God to give to us, God says, I already did. I've already given it to you. You aren't accessing it. You aren't praying for it. You aren't asking for it. You aren't seeking it. You aren't looking for it. It's there. It's there. And so, uh, you know, I love this day. It means so much to me, and I hope that's evident, um, Let's put ourselves in the apostles' place, the disciples' place, for just a minute. We talked about ascension last Sunday. Uh, Jesus ascends to the Father. And you remember that whole story? Jesus, uh, he, he, and put yourself, again, imagine, put yourself in their place. They've been with Jesus for a few years. I mean, he's been walking, teaching. They've had the Son of God there. Imagine that. I, like, it boggles the mind. Then Jesus dies, and you're like, What? <laughs> what? We thought you were the Savior. We thought you were the Messiah. We thought you were the one that was to come. And then He raises back from the dead, and you're like, wow, imagine what we could accomplish in God's name with a guy who is now never going to die, never going to suffer. He, he is all powerful. Like he has come back from the dead. Like, we could do anything now. And then Jesus says, wait, 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 I'm leaving. And you're like, what? What? You just came back. And he ascends, and as he's just before he goes, he says, I want you to go to to Jerusalem and I want you to wait because I have something better for you. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read the scriptures, I often hear God saying, Jordan, I have something better for you. And I often say, God, there's no way that's possible. Right? We know what's best for us, don't we? Go wait. I have something better. For you, I, And I'm also a, a terrible, this is sort of, I, this ended up being Jordan confession time, but I'm also a terrible, like, waiter. Like, I, I just have a hard time, if somebody says, wait for it, like, I can't, I can't do it. And so if I have an idea in my head, and this has driven a few people recently nuts, I won't talk about it. They can talk about it. Um, but I get this idea in my head, okay, let's do it right now. I don't care what's going on, let's go, let's do it. And um, that's not good. But it is me. And so I, I find myself with this, with this message. And remember, they don't have acts. so They don't know what's coming. Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You go and wait for him. Okay, Jesus. Oh, okay, we'll go do it. And we go to Jerusalem and we sit and we wait. And, 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 and we don't know how long we're going to wait. I got a sunburn on Friday. It's snowing out today. Like literally, like my neck is like crispy. It was so I was in shorts and a t-shirt burning up underneath the hot Michigan sun, which never happens. And and here we are. But all that to be said, I'm thinking of Christmas. And if I know how long I have to wait, <laughs> if I know how long I have to wait, I can do it. So I know because I took this screenshot this morning, there are only two hundred and twenty three days left till Christmas. And I say it's because of the snow and I'm lying because I was listening to Christmas music around Monday. So it's, you know, but there's only two, 223 days left. And so, and so if I know the target, I, I, can, I can wait for it. But these guys don't know the target. Jesus just says, wait. So a day goes by and they're like, okay, well, okay. Two days go by. Are we, what are we looking for again? I don't know. The Holy Spirit? What's that going to look like? I don't know. Day three goes by. Should we be doing something like really bored? Did God forget about us? Day four goes by. Did we miss something? Maybe this came and we didn't recognize it. Like maybe it happened outside and we were so in, and we were in the house. Day five goes by. You're like, man, what a, day six goes by. When is this gonna happen? Can we at least like binge watch something on Netflix? The internet's down. No! Remember, this is before there was something to do. We read in the scriptures that all they're doing is praying. And I know when I say all they're doing is praying for six days, this is what you guys are thinking right here. Ten days they wait. Ten days they wait. And I love that story. And I I retell it this way because I think it represents very well the way that God has worked in my life in the past. Because when I pray, I pray, God, I kind of think this is the way I should go, the thing I should do. What do you think? And I listen for 30 seconds. And if I don't hear a big, booming no, thank you for affirming what I already knew, God, and I go and do it. Can I get a witness? Is this, yes? Yes? Or I will pray, and I won't know, and I'll honestly not know which direction I'm to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I'll pray, you know, uh, one or two or three times maybe, and nothing immediately happens. I don't hear a yes, I don't hear a no, and I just say, okay, well, God must be busy, or maybe God is, maybe the answer is just no, and I just need to forget about it and move on. I find that most of the time when God answers my prayers, his answer is wait. And I hate that, which is why I figure God does it, Right? because the point that God is trying to pull us to is faith. If he booms yes out of the sky the moment I pray, if he booms no out of the sky the moment I pray, when is it that I walk in faith? When is it that I walk in faith? It's so critical that God says wait, And he pulls me along because it's then that I begin to forget myself. I begin to forget what I want, whether it's yes or no. I begin to forget about my intentions or my plans, which are all garbage anyway, right? And I begin to look for what the Spirit is doing and how God is moving in the world around me and in me and through me and through the church. And I begin to say, God, what do you want? As I wait. As I wait. So the disciples are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then God shows up. And God shows up in a way that they don't expect. That's a lesson in and of itself, isn't it? God shows up in a way that we don't expect either. Because what God did and the way God works is what God does and the way God works now. If they didn't guess before what God was going to do, guess what? You ain't going to guess now. We read in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and, and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, because remember that this is the festival of 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 pentecost they're they're bringing in their tithes and offerings and so the jerusalem that we saw back with passover that was chock full of people just crowded with with all kinds of folks so far there was like two miles down the hillside all of that is at work here again they are back in the place of danger remember what happened last time they started preaching jesus got killed The same thing is happening again. The same danger is alive and well all around them. There are men from all over, uh, and women and children too, of course, devout people from every nation under heaven. They've all come together to worship God as the Old Testament commanded. And the sound, at that sound, the multitude, they came together and they were bewildered in each one of them because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. They were amazed. They were astonished, saying, "Are not all these people speaking Hicks?" Which is my translation of Galileans. Uh, in Tennessee, we had folks that were up the hill, and we called them the pokey people. And on Friday night, the pokey people would come down uh, to Walmart, and um, like this is like the stereotypical uh, people. Like the, like if you think of like hillbillies, this is like no shoot, no no shoes, no shirt. But in Tennessee, they got service, and that and that was just the way it was. This is the pogey people. In Galilee, they didn't go to college. These guys aren't smart. These guys don't have degrees. They certainly don't know multiple languages. Remember that this isn't just men. Either. These are men, women, possibly even teenagers, like, and probably even teenagers, all gathered together in this upper room. These are followers of Jesus, and all of a sudden the Spirit just comes down upon them, and they come rushing out, declaring the great works of God, and people are saying, where did these people learn how to speak Koine Greek? Uh, and, and Attic Greek and, 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 and Syrian and Egyptian and all of these other languages that are being spoken, where did they learn how to do it? And how is it that we hear each of them In his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, the visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them all in our own tongue declaring the mighty works of God. And everyone was amazed and perplexed. And wondering. And some said, they must be drunk. Which might make sense. Like, I, you know, you got to explain it somehow, right? And Peter stands up and he says, uh, it's nine. Like, we aren't drunk. Spend has been no time for that. Men of Judea. And all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. This is what the prophet said would happen. The day of prophecy has come upon you, and you weren't ready for it, and you didn't expect it, but maybe it is here. The last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will dream, will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on slaves that are male and slaves that are female, I will pour out my spirit. And the lowest rung of society, slaves, they are to be seen and not heard. They are cattle. They are nothing. I will pour my spirit out on them, and they will speak the words of God. And I will show signs. And wonders in the heavens above, and signs in the earth below, and blood and fire and vapor and smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, attested to you by works and wonders that God do through your midst, were delivered up according to the definite and foreknowledge plan of God, crucified and killed, but risen and ascended, and the gospel goes forth out from them. Now, there are many, many doctrines that we could draw out, talking about all of the things that the Spirit does and all that it means to talk about the Holy Spirit and how he seals us and redeems us, his plan, his... his um, his movement and our regeneration and our sanctification, how he fits in with the doctrine of baptism, all of these different things. But I want to focus you in on what is actually happening right here in Acts. I want to avoid some confusion because the speaking in tongues thing is one of great confusion. We have churches that do something that they call speaking in tongues, and there's a lot of those kinds of things. What happens here makes a whole lot of sense. John was talking about international students. Uh, coming in and, and being a part of the, his house, and you can imagine if you were in a room and you had people from China and you had people from Russia and you had people from Africa and you had people from all of these different places, and God says, "I want you to declare the gospel to these people, and you don 't have a translator. what is what 's going to happen right I mean, speaking in tongues makes absolute sense. God has poured out his spirit and a miracle. Has happened, and God, I believe, pours out his spirits out his spirit, and miracles happen all the time, but they don 't always look exactly like this unless you find yourself in a room full of Russians and Chinese people and all that kind of thing. We do two things that are a mistake with this text. We, we swing one way and we get focused in on the miracle and say, man, I want to see healings. Man, I want to see speaking in tongues. Man, I want to see all these sort of crazy manifestations of the Spirit. And you get focused in on the miracle and that misses the point. Not you, I'm sorry, I'm pointing right at you, Dan. I'm not preaching at you. Dan's a good guy. But it misses the point. We swing the other way and this is us. This is all y'all. And we say... Well, the Spirit. You know, that's not how we do things here. That's not how we've always done it. This is how we've always done it over here. And God says, no, I have new plans because there are new people I want to reach. You've reached the old people. That's fantastic. There's a whole other group over there. And I want to make you as uncomfortable as possible. So I am sending you. Now, the gracious nature of God, and it's puzzling, But God says if you want to build your walls and build your fort and stay in your fort and just sort of look out over the masses of people, you can do that. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to do this. I want to go somewhere in the middle where I recognize the point of this text is that God wants his mighty works preached. He wants people to know his grace. He wants people to know his love. He wants people to know their sin and their depravity. I loved what Jack said. I was moved that we're skunks to God. And we are wondering, why won't you let me in the house? And God says, because you stink. But I want to clean you up. And as weird as this is going to sound, God's tomato sauce works. God can do it. He can take the life that is corrupt, that is vile, that is full. That we sang this song and it, 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 like convicted me and moved me to tears. The Be Thou My Vision. Thou My Best Thought by day or by night. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of things that I watch, a lot of things I read, a lot of things I listen to, a lot of things I fill my mind with. And I was suddenly struck that if I am going to keep the command to love the Lord my God with all my strength, with all my spirit, with all my heart, with all my mind, with, with everything that I am, and if I don't meet that lofty goal, I have failed my God. Which means what? I have failed my God. And my God says, I can fix this. And I can fix it by the power of the Spirit. And not only can I fix it, not only can I heal the brokenness, not only can I mend the heart, but I can make it useful for something. God doesn't just want to heal me and, and put me in a nice, comfortable zone and make me, you know, make me a fortress and a castle so that I don't have to worry about the world anymore. He wants to heal me and fix me and use me. He wants me to be useful for something. I was thinking about it this morning, and, and this is somewhat reductionistic. We can't reduce God to one word, or three words, or a trillion words. No words could ever capture God. But if you think of God in this way, we see God, especially in Acts chapter one and two, as sort of the creator. We see Jesus in the, in the preaching of, 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 of Peter as the one who has come to redeem. But the Spirit is the mover, The Spirit is the one that that burns in your bones and says, I have a purpose for you. That burns in your bones and says, what you have been doing is wrong and you need to repent and come to me. It burns in your bones and says, you need to go out into the world and and, and declare to them the greatness of all that I have done through and for you. God is commissioning you. And that's what the Spirit does. This is what he did with Jesus. Do you notice that? Mark 1.12, the Spirit immediately drove him, and this is an imperative word. It's sort of like driving cattle. I mean, it's literally, the Spirit picked Jesus up by the seat of his pants and by his, his covenant, threw him into the desert. The Spirit drove Jesus out so that he could begin his ministry. And Jesus says, that is what I want to do to you, that is the goal of the spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you. He's speaking to um, Nicodemus here. That you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear it sound, but you don't know. This word uh, "wind" is the exact same word for spirit. It's a play on these two words. The wind blows, or the spirit blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. That's what the wind does. So it is with who? I see. I circled it so you would it we'll try that again so it is with who is born of the spirit where you were today is not where you better be tomorrow and where you are tomorrow better not be where you are the day after that because god is moving do you believe that god wants to save portage do you believe that kalamazoo do you believe that michigan do you believe that I'm like losing less of you as I'm going. You're supposed to be more excited. God wants to save all of these people and you are the agents by which he gets it done. He fills you with the spirit so that you could go out and you could do something new, something powerful, not of your own accord, not of your own will, but through the power and agency of the Holy Spirit. He wants to produce in you a white hot faith. He wants to change you. He wants you to be excited. He wants you to be convicted. He wants you to realize his greatness. We say this uh, when we get together with people. You remember when? Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Have you ever had it happen where you're with an old friend or an old acquaintance and you do the remember whens and then you run out of them? And then there's like this moment of awkward silence where you're standing next to them in mire and you sort of look around for a minute and you think to yourself, did I ask about the kids? Because if I did, I better not ask again. I wasn't really listening that hard. <laughs> you sort of kick around a little bit and you look at your basket, you think, what do I have to get next so I can make an excuse to get out of here because I don't have any more to talk about. I find that happens so often in life. And what that tells me is that There's nothing new to talk about. And that to me is a representation. It's a sign that I am not in tune with the Spirit. One of the things I love about um, uh, Scott is that every time I run into this guy, he wants to talk to me about God. Imagine that. Come to church. He doesn't want to talk about football. I know he watches it, but we don't talk about it. We talk about our best thought. The Spirit wants to do something with you today. Every single person in here, we we read those verses. The Spirit dwells in each and every one of you. That means that not only have you been sanctified, justified, not only have you been regenerated, not only is God's Spirit indwelling inside of you, but that God wants to take you and he wants to use you. He wants to move you. He wants to send you out to a new person, to a new place, to a place that makes you uncomfortable, to a place that you get to declare the mighty works of him who has saved you and redeemed you. Now, I don't want you to be under any illusions that that, that means you're going to meet with success. Sometimes the best things that God has to teach you are when you fall flat on your face, when you don't win the argument, when the person says, no thanks, I'm not interested in Jesus. And in that moment, you say, okay, I've got, I've got more people to talk to. And you get up and you move because the Spirit is blowing This morning, the wind is moving. This morning, and God is speaking to you. This morning, and He is waiting for men and women of God, He is waiting for children and teenagers of God, He is waiting for people of God to stand up and, like Isaiah, say, Here I am, send me. Is that you this morning? at you this morning. As we come to a conclusion and we sing this final song, that's what I want you to do. I want you to worship God with all your heart, but I also want you to listen. Listen and ask God, where would you have me go? Because I am here and I want you to send me.